When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So when it comes to talking about the narrative and bringing it out there, he's amazing. The one flaw I think Spike Lee has in terms of trying to shoot an action sequence, he can't do it. If you look at the second half of The Five Bloods, it's like, meh. I really, really wanted to love it a lot more than I did. But that said, the cast, as you've already said, is amazing. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I think two and a half hours, it seemed, it did seem a bit stretched for me for that. The impact that he left with it, and that's what he seems to do every single time. And that was the magic of Chadwick. I mean, I, I think we'll, some of us will never forget him and his work. It's timeless. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Flitch Watch Podcast. Today I'm joined by Ashanti Omkar. Hello, Kobe. Akin. Hello, hi there. Thanks for having us on today's episode. And Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about the latest Spike Lee joint, Da Five Bloods. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us and you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher Hello film fans joining us remotely today we have Akeem and Ashanti Omkar please can you introduce yourselves tell our lovely listeners who you are and what you do. Hi everyone, I'm Ashanti Omkar. I'm a BBC broadcaster and a film critic. And I'm super excited to be with you because I am pretty much one of those addicts of Netflix. So I'm in the right place. You are in the right place. And who are you, sir? Okay, uh, my name's Akin and I host a podcast called The Swinging Palm Trees Podcast, where I introduce people's quotes and their sayings and how it makes an impact on their lives. And I love film and popular culture. And my favorite genre is zombies, but that's just me. I think Helen's a bit of a, we've not had a zombie film on here, have we? We haven't known Netflix is kind of light on zombies. Well, we've had Zombieland. That was a choice that someone could have taken. Uh, And zombie films are coming out as we record very shortly. but the, no, I'm sure. There, I'm sure. I'm sure. There's at least one zombie film on Netflix. The Army of the time. Dead. I can, you. There are a few. There are a few on Netflix. Yeah. So we should talk afterwards. But yes, anything zombies? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm your man. No, I think there is Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is on Netflix. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead. We, ah, that's We've right. Had that. Shaun of the Dead. Okay. 
We've done oh, Shaun of the Dead. So there is. And Army of the Dead is the new be. one. So that's that's going to be all over it's all Zach of Snyder. Netflix everywhere. So we're talking today about the Five Bloods, which is not a zombie film. Is your choice, Akin? Can you tell us why you chose it? And I will then give you 60 seconds to give a synopsis, starting now. Okay, The Five Bloods, the story is about a group of army veterans, African-American veterans in their late years, coming back to Vietnam to repatriate the body of a fallen comrade and also retrieve some gold. Nice. And why did you choose it? To be honest, I think it's about goddamn time that there's a film that talks about the African-American's experience, point of view in the Vietnam War. Uh, There are different films which Mm. do showcase it, but many films in the past have always whitewashed the Vietnam War. Uh, The the very first one could have been John Wayne's The Green Berets. I remember watching that years ago in Nigeria, and I thought to myself, yeah, I think there's much more to it than just John Wayne. And then I grew up watching Rambo uh, with uh, My First Blood Part 2. And then Chuck Norris with Missing in Action, where they always went in and they demonized the Vietnamese character. It was always the white man going in as the hero. And I thought, no, it isn't. And then you had Oliver Stone's Platoon come out, which showed somewhat of the grunts experience with different ethnicities or different groups, as it were. And then you moved over to Hamburger Hill which shows the soldiers, everybody, be it American, American Japanese, white American, African American, fighting against their common enemy. And then we had the Hughes brothers with uh, their presidents, where you saw the film, just maybe just slightly, the comradeship between um, veterans of the war and how they transfer their skills into the real world in, a, in an armed heist. But with The Five Bloods, it talks about many things, but addresses one thing that I'm very interested in, which is mental health and mental health amongst people who have suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder, especially veterans coming back from the war. And I found it interesting how you have that issue being addressed and also other issues, not just the mental side of things, but also um, of children who were born out of wedlock in in Vietnam at the time and how they had their own identity. Then you also have building up of fallen, let me rephrase that. We're looking at the enemy isn't demonized, just seen as the other, because you also see from their point of view, whereby- They call it the American war. Yeah, exactly. They call it the American war because before that you had the, the French- tried to mm. colonize Vietnam, and they did to a degree. It was called Viet Minh. So, I mean, this is a Spike Lee lens on, on the war and on, on the effort there, and this is the kind of thing you'd expect from Spike, from his uh, authorship, I guess. And he has it from the start. He layers in lots of pieces. He layers in Muhammad Ali, talking about why he's not going to the war. He layers in, you see uh, Kim Ki-duk, the guy who's on, on the flames on the range against machine. You actually see the, the footage that you see. Yeah. The, someone getting shot in the street and that's actually yeah. real and visceral and, and, and gross. But this is this is recent Spike Lee yeah. um showing exactly what is going on there. It sets a tone. He says no there's no uh whitewashing, there's no hiding behind the curtain here. And this is a this is a very kind of visceral and violent film. It is. Um where it gets to it later on in it. I wasn't I wasn't surprised but I was I wasn't expecting that. I mean Ashanti, what, what were your thoughts on The Five Bloods as a as an intro? I've I've got to say First of all, I was so blown away by the casting. 
<laughs> like I love Spike Lee's work, but with this, the casting just had come together. And I'd always, I mean, obviously Ch Chadwick Boseman, for those who know me very well, I've seen the Black Panther five times, um, <laughs> all, all times at the cinema, you know, just absolutely love the film. Oh, wow. Chadwick Boseman, I then went and watched all of his other films, absolutely adored him. So I was really delighted that he was in this film. And then there was Delroy Lindo. And again, mm. I'd been watching The Good Fight completely, you know, mesmerized by this man. He grew up near where, where we live, actually. And I, I just thought, wow, Spike Lee has actually got these guys together into one film. And then I actually asked Akin about this war because it's not a war that I know very much about. And I'm not huge on kind of the back history of wars and all of these things, but Akin is. So I, I kind of got a little bit of back history and then just went into watching it. It was during awards season and it was a, a, a kind of press preview that they had watched the film blown away by how that whole landscape came together, how realistic it all felt. And just generally, my only critique of it really is the fact that we didn't get much of a picture of Vietnamese life and the the people of Vietnam. So we saw them as just these four or five different types, you know, the the a one woman who was in love with one of the guys who came came down, one person who was, you know, I don't know, in a market or something, you know. So we didn't really get to see their side of the story very much, but I still liked how Spike Lee did this and he brought the American perspective really well into the film. Helen, what are your, what are your thoughts on, uh, I guess, Spike Lee in general and, and, the, and the Five Bloods? I'm, I'm a pretty big Spike Lee fan. This is what his... Is so this third Spike Lee film we've reviewed on yeah, Netflix? Yeah, so we've had Black Klansman and Inside Man yeah. so far. So the anticipation of this and obviously being kind of a straight-to-Netflix kind of one was pretty high. And I think I'm probably going to be a little bit more mixed than you all. There's stuff that I really liked. I think the kind of first half of the film is like a really, really strong opener. And then when they kind of get into the jungle that's where it kind of falls down for me because I think I just I find it really fascinating about this kind of group of friends who had obviously had this really intense experience together in Vietnam and um you know lost someone very close to them and you know their experiences there for them to kind of come back to Vietnam on kind of this mission and sort of see it through today's eyes I was just really fascinated and like really enjoyed being with them and kind of like feeling like I was almost part of their gang. But then there was some kind of like bits in the jungle that were a bit weird and the sort of the, so they go back to rescue the gold and kind of like a three kingsy style mission and I'm not sure I think when they kind of like get to that gold and um it it lost me a little bit and it's it's quite long it's over two and a half hours and I don't know it just didn't have the same impact of um like Black Klansmen did with kind of like the real like whoa this is like really intense so I really really wanted to love it a lot more than I did but that said the cast as you've already said is amazing and um yeah Delroy Lindo was robbed probably he was like, <laughs> yeah he was robbed I mean it's so there's lots I really like, but there's also some things that I don't know. I think when you have someone like Spike Lee, the, the expectation is always going to be like so, so high when you go into it. And then anything that doesn't like come out 
like blow you away, you're always going to be a little bit like, oh, well, I'm a bit disappointed. That that's me. So maybe I should just get back down in my box and just be grateful that we've just got something from Spike Lee. No, I think um, I prefer the first the, the first half when they're kind of getting back together. I'm I'm, I'm a big sucker for uh, camaraderie and seeing on screen in the films and. You know, you see, as I will, like Junior, the first shot of him, and then they've got the reverse shot of his friend that he hasn't seen in a while, presumably. The, the rich guy that we found out is not rich in, 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 later on in the film. And just the, how they greet each other, and suddenly Clark Peters and Daryl Linda turn up. And I just love that kind of effervescence on the screen when people are meeting each other. And that drives a lot of my fun and, um, you know, choice of movies, that, that kind of camaraderie. But it does kind of go on a, on a, on a different, like Helen said, it's good on a different kind of angle and tack later on. But generally, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I think two and a half hours, it seemed it did seem a bit stretched for me for that. But the portrayal of these guys was strong. I wasn't expecting so many twists and turns. Like the, the, almost like A-team uh, face-off at the end was was unexpected. Uh, the <laughs> landmines going off was unexpected. Um, yeah. One thing that threw me, actually, having seen Black Klansman, was that those, those, those guys, those landmine clearing guys, two of them were in the KKK in Black Klansman. So that, that really kind of threw me. It was like, on second watching, it was like, those guys were the bad guys in the other film with by Spike Lee. What does that mean for these guys in this film? Let's just let's just play out. Um, but that was really that was really kind of interesting. I thought always love Isaiah Whitlock Jr. and 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 Clark Peters as a as a huge fan of the Wire. So anytime they're on screen, it's it's an absolute pleasure. But again, going back to the camaraderie, I still even though it doesn't really pay off in the rest of the film, that scene where they're walking, through, they're dancing through the club, almost like Soul Train. Yeah. That's, that still has me laughing my ass off. And, you know, you, you know the love was there when that was happening, that scene was being shot. It's absolutely fantastic. Where are you guys on Spike Lee in general? Ashanti? I, I really like like the way he, he thinks. I like the way he's really vibrant in what he brings out. So somehow he manages to get everybody who acts for him to bring the character sketch to such vivid you know vivid on screen presence <laughs> which i think is is absolutely brilliant and yeah i've i've got to say i'm i'm a fan and akin is too i think with uh, spike lee he's a um, he can be in a quiet taste depending on what you're watching mm. uh sometimes he does go off on one he likes to get on his soapbox and make sure that you know exactly where he's coming from. He puts his finger on your chest and says, damn it, this is what I'm telling you and you're gonna listen to what I have to say. (laughs) And on the other side to that, he can make a very fantastic storytelling in like a film like Inside Man, where it was far removed from what I'm normally used to seeing from a Spike Lee joint. So when it comes to talking about the narrative and bringing it out there, he's amazing. The one flaw I think Spike Lee has in terms of trying to shoot an action sequence, he can't do it. If you look at the second half of The Five Bloods, it's like, meh, he kind of fast forward a bit. The same also with his other film, his first ever attempt at a military film, which was uh, Miracle of Santa Anna back in 2008, I think, or 2003, I forget, which was Mm -hmm. a critical bomb so and financial bomb but apart from that all these other stuff do the right thing um Cochlin, what's it called chirac the list goes on yeah so uh all in all he may be in a quiet taste but i still like spike lee so this was uh, did you guys see this before or after chadwick uh passed away for the first time before before so we didn't really know it was one of his last last roles when we saw it and 
Yeah, I mean, what can I say? Ma Rainey's Black Bottom obviously was was his last that's on Netflix as well. But I I I don't know. I still haven't gotten over his passing, mm. honestly. And just just seeing what he put into these roles in in this film, for example, it's a very small role, but the impact that he left with it, and that's what he seems to do every single time. And that was the magic of Chadwick. I mean, I, I think we'll, some of us will never forget him and his work. It's timeless. Akeem? Chadwick Boseman watching this film, I looked at him and I just thought, how much talent can this guy have? This was prior to us knowing he was about to die with cancer and everything. And the way how he just conducted himself, I looked and I thought, I hate this guy. I really hate this guy because he's so good at what he does. <laughs> And not long afterwards, we heard that he passed away. And what I found inspiring was that he was going through a really bad illness. And yet you couldn't tell. Nobody could have told nobody. And this wasn't just with this film. This had been going back years prior. So if you look at uh, Civil War, you mm. already had the cancer at the time. Then also the End Game and all the other Avengers. Marvel films. Marvel yeah. films. It's like, wow, this guy. So looking at Chadwick Boseman, I mean, it's left a lasting impression, especially in the film, because he brings about such a huge gravitas to it, especially that final scene with him and Linroy, um, uh, Le- Delroy, Delroy Lindo. Lindo's character. I just thought, I'm going to hold the tears back. I'm going to hold it back. You know, and I, that was really powerful stuff. All the feels. I mean, the, 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 the scene where we, we find out that Delroy accidentally caused his death in, yes. in service. And I think that's the, obviously... We, you talked about PTSD at the start, and Delroy's character Paul is suffering the most from that. Scene, like at least, ex- you know, explicitly. Yes. And he sees the go. He sees he sees um, Stormy Norman's ghosts, and the weight that this must hang over him and his whole life is just is there to see with his relationship with his with his uh, son, with his eagerness to support Trump. That's the kind of character piece that drives me. But I think, like you say, with the um, action beats still didn't really... It went from zero to 120 miles per hour. Um, like the, the, the landmine scenes was like, fucking hell, where's this come from, mate? Uh, so, yes. <laughs> I don't know, Helen, what, what, <laughs> do you, what do you think of that? Um, I was kind of like, okay, oh, yeah. And they like, oh, okay, yep, that's... Um, I, can't, I laughed. I'm sorry, I don't know if it was unintentional or not, but I, I did... Laugh. I think it was almost it was almost comedic the yeah. way it came out of nowhere. It's, oh, it's, it's I so took about the, the of... landmine scene. Yeah, yeah. The... I think it's. I was just going to say it's 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 so bizarre that they've kind of come this far and they've managed to get there, and then like oh one like tiny mistake and yeah, it's kind of all over. It kind of reminds me of that scene from Tropic Thunder, where Steve Coogan's yes. director character walks on the mine and goes oh and kablamo. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. But. It's one of those things. Because you were saying earlier, uh, Akeem, about that you basically sound like you have watched like all of the kind of Vietnam films and have like a pretty intense knowledge. Whereas I'd probably say that I've got kind of a good knowledge, but compared to what you were saying earlier, I'm barely dipping my toe in the water. So in kind of like rankings, where where would you kind of pitch this and like what is kind of like top tier and... And, and, uh, and additional questions: that Would you class this as a war film, based on the fact it's, it's, it conducted it, the, the mm. timeline is post-war, most of it anyway? But we do see actually action. Uh, I would say it's in two halves. On the one hand, you've got a drama, and the other half is a shootout scene. 
which I wouldn't classify within war. So I wouldn't call it a war drama because it has flashbacks, which doesn't necessarily warrant a real war story. It works as part of the narrative, but not necessarily mm. as a war drama. Um, so in terms of ranking, oh, man, there's so many films, but if I were to look at it in the past 20 years, no, 30 years, I'd put it as a war film just beneath the top, no, I'll put it down to 11, number 11, as a, as a war film. As a drama, it's good, but as a war film... What would be your number one uh, My number one war film? war film from the Vietnam War era would have to be Hamburger Hill. Okay. Amazing I, I film. I've seen that. See, not seen Highly that Highly recommended. Hamburger Hill. Um, I was going for Stanley Kubrick's uh, It's Escaped Me. Full Metal Jacket. There we go. There we go. Um, as, as, a, as a film. I'm not, I'm not a big war film guy, but um, there's something about that film that, that really kind of pulls me in. Um, I've watched, well, I've tried to watch um, Ken Burns' Vietnam documentary which was on Netflix like a year ago. And it's, you know, it's a good 20 hour deep, deep, deep dive into how Vietnam started and everything. And none of it's, none of it's good. Um, no, I've actually watched that documentary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating documentary, but the whole kind of why did this war happen at the end? It's like, uh, you shouldn't have. I mean, I think I mean, can I also add that what I find fascinating, more insightful about the Vietnam war is that the lack of recognition that American troopers had who went to Vietnam War as ethnic mm. groups. Um, mm. during, the first, during the First World War, um, they wouldn't even allow black soldiers to fight in the regular army. As a matter of fact, many of the black American soldiers had to go to France and deployed with the French troops. Then during the Second World War, they had a segregated army. Now, in... Of course, you had the Korean War, but not many people talk about the Korean War. So let's jump over to the Vietnam War, where you had the draft service called in. And many of the people that went into the Vietnam War were 19. whose average age was 19. And they go in, and many of them were from different backgrounds. But you also had many of the African-Americans who were fighting a war on two fronts. You got the war at home, where you had the height of the civil unrest or civil, the civil rights. Civil unrest is the wrong word to use. Civil rights. And then they go into the war. That's why I had Muhammad Ali in that clip saying that no, no Vietnamese ever called me a nigger. And, and even you had in the film, which depicted by um, Hanoi Hanna, the propagandist, who would say that, why are you coming over here to fight and kill us? You and I, we can be, sis, we can be siblings. The real enemy's back home. So when I see films like this, it brings about what's actually happening to the reality of things. The social issues are addressed. And this is why this is why it's, it's Spike Lee's, you know, thumping all over it. And I can imagine the the script didn't have the I, I don't know who wrote the script, but Spike Lee was like, okay, let's have these inserts. Like I said, the, the um, Muhammad Ali section, the the setting the backdrop for the um, for the for the unrest in in the states and in Vietnam. Um, that's the kind of thing that he you know put front and center of like Black Klansman, for example, which I'm sure he was happy to pull those cards out of the deck again for this um, and do he, does heavily, heavily, heavily set the tone for, for this film. So it's not, it's not a laugh fest, but it's, you know, the, for me, the, the, you know, the driving force is, is the camaraderie between the, the four, the four guys, five, including Paulson. And it's, it's good to see the, you know, the small kind of screen time that do share with Chadwick. I'm going back to Chadwick as a performer. I think it's almost befitting. It could, 
there's very few other people that could be that. Uh, Stormy Norman is played by Chadwick, who's you know super well regarded as almost like a regal character. Um, and every time he's portrayed back in the film, he's you know viewed with reverence, and um, you can understand why Paul has nightmares as sees ghosts about his loss because he's such you know such a charismatic person, and that's you know that's why we've lost on the screen and that's what we've lost in real life and it does it, it, it hits hard a few times it hits hard when you take a minute to think oh shit he's he was like he hadn't even started mm. he hadn't even started his career it's true is there anything else guys want to say before we head to the scores i had something i kind of wanted to ask everyone what they thought about the the, the romance the love interest the french girl or do you mean do you mean clark peters yeah clark yeah. peters lady who i couldn't quite get the aging right so i was trying to work out how old she would have been in the seventies, and how old she was then? And are we is—is is that his daughter? Are we and I was just a bit because there's, there's there's no aging going on the faces, so I was very confused. So I was just kind of wanted to see how everyone else felt that kind of fitted, <laughs> and whether they kind of were like, yeah, I'm on board with this, or whether it was kind of like not sure. Wasn't it quite clear that it was his daughter? Yeah, I had I was under no. We, we knew it was his daughter. daughter for sure. But you're right about the aging because they did mm. a lot of de-aging with the characters and going backwards and forwards with the with the narrative did probably confuse you when you were watching it. <laughs> I actually thought it was believable. I mean, mm. if you saw the average age was about 19, 20, 21. So you have a young GI at that age, goes overseas, meet, uh, makes out with a young lady who could have been about maybe 17 or 18. So if you look at 1975, my math is terrible, so forgive me up until 20, 45. 45. So add 45 plus the other 15 in question. It looks, it looks, it's possible. It is possible. I mean, with the black guys, black don't crack. I, I ain't saying And they more. had good de-aging and techniques. They, hey, well, that's, no, that was at the final scene. It was okay. the final All scene right. that had the All de-aging right. scene. You know, because Delroy Lindo's character, I think he's now 72 years old. Whoa. Yeah, so... Wow. Yeah. He doesn't look 72. Exactly. So, uh, and with the... And, those, and you, could, you, you could tell that those guys were doing the physical stuff there as well. They were going through the jungle. You know, they dove onto the ground when the when the firecrackers hit at the start of the... You know, they were they were involved in it. Yeah. So I thought fair play to them. Well, what do you think, Helen? Were, were you a bit put off by the, the, uh, the love story there? Yeah. I don't know. I just found... <laughs> I think, again, it took me... It, it took took me away from like the guys being together which was like the thing that I really liked but then I guess it it kind of worked as a plot bit as well I don't know but then I, I was just confused with the ages <laughs> it was it, I think it was a plot device and you know this was one of those films that was put forward for the award season etc so there are lots of things that are almost check boxes do we have enough romantic angle do we have enough action scene, do we have enough great dialogue? And I, I think part of that also would have been to bring in that sort of character to showcase a, a female in in Vietnam and to, to the, the love story. I mean, everyone loves a love story, don't they? I think it also brings about something more important. Like I mentioned earlier, many GIs had children who were born out of wedlock. Yeah. So it shows uh, an avenue to to show that, look, kids who were left behind have grown up. They're young kids. I mean, during the Second World War, you had so many kids born out of wedlock to the um, Allied forces. 
and they couldn't make their way back to where their parents were. So uh, I think in that respect, I thought I think it was important that Spike Lee demonstrated and showed that, look, kids were born over there at the time who never made it back to meet their parents. And I also, I also enjoyed the fact that his, I, I, it's bad that I can't remember her character's name, um, she became the kind of main connect. She made, became the main fixer. And she was also looking out for um, Clark Peters, like, you know, I don't know these guys, but here's a gun. Just yeah. uh, be careful. That kind of thing is that. So she did have her own kind of agency and she wasn't just a, um, you know, a wallflower. Um, so I think, I, I think that part of it was, was an interesting tale okay. to tell as well. Um, but let's head okay. to the scores. Hello folks, I'm Sam. And I'm Martin. And every week for the last five years, we've got together to talk about the musician Tom Waits. He's a gravelly voice singer that sounded like he doused his vocal cords in bourbon and set fire to them with a cigarette (laughs) and wrote such classic songs as Way Down in the Hole, Downtown Train, Jersey Girl. Uh, He's also the gravelly voiced actor from films such as The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Seven Psychopaths, both of which coincidentally are on Netflix and both of which Kobe and Helen have discussed here on Flixwatcher. So make sure you check those episodes out. And when you have a little bit of a taste for the magic that is Tom Waits, why not head over to songbysongpodcast.com or search for Song by Song in your podcatcher of choice to listen to a little bit more about Tom Waits. So welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Akim, with your recommendability. My recommendability would be four. Because, first of all, it's an amazing story in terms of the comrade, comrade, oh, I can never pronounce this word. Yeah, thank you very much (laughs) of the guys in question. Also the soundtrack. (laughs) I love the soundtrack. I mean, you had Terence Blanchard doing the work mm. in question, but you've got also the Chambers Brothers, you've got Marvin Gaye, all those anthems of the time, which is still relevant today. So top points. Just for that alone, I'd give it five out of five. Uh, the characters, amazing. Um, all the four brothers, in well, the five, that's six of them actually, because you've got Chadwick Boseman and then you've also got um, Jonathan Major's character as well. So I call them the six brothers. So I thought they were amazing as well. Uh, the only downside to it would have been the action sequences. That was my only criticism of the whole thing. So yeah, four mm. out of five. Shanti. I, I would highly recommend it. So I would also give it four out of five. I'll, I'll go with Akin on this one. I probably would have even said five out of five. I think it's one of those films that everybody should watch. Well, why don't you say five out of five? You can certainly say that. Let me you... let me just say five out of five then. Yeah, because... Don't look at me for approval. <laughs> <laughs> Go with your heart. I'm going with my heart for Delroy Lindo and that astounding performance and for Chadwick Boseman being absolutely fantastic. I'm giving it five out of five. Helen. Yeah. Oh, I just, I was just a little bit disappointed just because... Like the previous kind of run that Spike Lee had was so good that I was just expecting a little bit more. And I think I think this had like about five writers on it. So maybe that's kind of why it feels maybe for me a little bit more disjointed maybe and a little bit less focused than his other films. Um, but listening to you kind of talk about it with a bit more passion and a <laughs> reminder that... Um, 
swayed. You've been swayed Chad, by Chadwick the Boseman. Um, is great in it, and it's kind of it's kind of like with weird sadness that you're. It's one of his last performances, and we'll kind of always remember him as being like that for forever young, and we're kind of remembering the way they remembered him as being their friend. Yes. So you've you've managed to talk me up to a four, so I'm going to give it a four, Woo! even though it's not. <laughs> I was we'll, a bit lower, it's but you kind of we'll convinced me that <laughs> even though it's a bit long and it's a bit uneven, you should still probably watch it. Definitely if you like Spike Lee, even though it's not one of my top ones. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for 4.3. Definitely watch it. Definitely recommend it to people. Uh, there will be caveats. Yeah, I think it could be tightened up a bit. And the, the fights uh, were almost pastiche. Uh, like when, as I went, that Junior jumps on the grenade. Obviously it's, you know, we're done with, with pathos but also it seemed a bit weirdly unnecessary so it's, like i said the fight scenes take it down a notch for me so uh i'm getting 4.3 repeat viewing score akeen okay um if i want to have a history lesson and just look at certain references to the film then i would say five out of five definitely watch it i'd watch it again and again um uh, personally i wouldn't watch it within the next six or seven months but I'll definitely come back again. I still quite like Fast Turnaround. Yeah. Oh, hey, man, I love stuff like that. I mean, just recently I watched uh, The Death of Stalin because it was such a good film. So, yeah. What's your what's your, what's your your rating there, sorry? My rating is five. Five, okay. <laughs> yeah, he, he does watch a lot of films many times. I, on the other hand, very rarely do. So in my case, I'll probably give it a two. I don't know whether I would, I'd see it again unless How I really need it to. How dare you? How many times have you each seen it? Have you just seen it? The I've ones seen it just you go just back? the ones back back then. So this is where we we've we've had couples and we've had friend long life friends and <laughs> and uh, siblings arguing over you what? <laughs> you giving it what? Sorry, he's just acting for you. It's fine. no, he I'm knows. not acting for you. No, 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 no. <laughs> Helen. So I am with the shanty on this one. Um, I'm also going to go for a two. I, I saw this at the start of the um, year and my brain remembers it because I'm now logging films. So I definitely saw it at the start of this year. And you know what it was? It was the length that put me off rewatching it again. I was like, oh, it's about two hours. And then I looked and I was like, two hours, 34? No. So yeah, the length put me off. So maybe watch it again in a couple of years, possibly. But I didn't rewatch it um, within the when I saw it in January. So two. Yeah, I'm going to go for uh, three. I reckon here I'll, I will watch it again. Not sure. I, I think I watched it for the first time actually. To my shame, uh, after Chadwick died, and I think the length of it did put me off because um, I knew I just knew it was going to be deep in there. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be particularly um, light-hearted. So that plus the the length didn't, even as much as I love everyone on the screen, it just didn't drive me through it um, to want to watch it. And then when Chad McDowell was like, dude, you gotta, you got to watch it right now. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think I will watch it so often. Um, I think I'll look to other Spike Lee and other Delroy. I really want to watch um, Romeo Must Die to see Delroy Lindo in that film, <laughs> for example. I want, to see, I want to see Delroy in different films. I want to see Isaiah Whitlock and Clark Peace in other films. And I need to see The Last black man in san francisco because it's you imagine fantastic. that fantastic it is fantastic it's one of those, it's, one of those, it's, 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 on, it's on my list and just think and it's what's that and i think not today <laughs> i've got other things to do and i just need to watch it because he's i think he's great a great future actor as well i can't uh, can you said his name i can't remember what his the actor's name was 
Who? Uh, Daryl Linder's son in this. Oh, Jonathan Majors. Yeah. He, he is brilliant. And if you haven't seen The Good Fight for Daryl Lindo at also his other finest performance, that is one to watch. It's a TV series. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, my wife loves that too. <laughs> loves that to bits. Uh, small screen score. Akeen. Uh, for this film, I would say watch it at home. This is a watch it at home kind of film because you want to pause. You want to try and look back and see it. Seriously, there are some bits where you say, oh, this is interesting. Go on to Wikipedia and find out the information. Mm. Uh, if you get to the fight scene, just fast forward with the powerful magic device and just fast forward. So there you go, Helen. Problem solved. Just fast forward. We call it bits. scrubbing these days, darling. You call it scrubbing. I call it fast forward. <laughs> you fast forward. <laughs> so in terms of screening, I'd watch it on the small screen, not on the big screen. Uh, so that's a five. Yeah, five. Ashanti. High scores here from from Akeem. Yes, high score from him. For me, I would love to have seen this on the big screen. Actually, I had missed. There was a. I think there was a screening. Oh no! I think there might have been a screening. I wasn't able to go to, and I was a bit gutted because the visuals in this film are absolutely beautiful. And I'm not sure he intended it to be seen on a small screen because with certain films that are built for the small screen, you'll see a lot of close-ups of the people, et cetera, et cetera. There's lots of little devices that they use to make it very small screen friendly. So a film like this, I wouldn't like to watch on on a telephone, on a telephone, on a phone. Oh my gosh. Wait, you're saying just to me I'm scrubbing? I know. You're talking I know. to me about scrubbing? <laughs> <is> it? <laughs> just a telephone on, on a mobile phone. You know, and, and on a t- on a small device, watching this film would feel really odd. So I would prefer to see this on a big screen. But if you have a kind of a 40 to 50 inch television, then yes, I think it works. I don't think it works on a, uh, even on a 16 inch laptop screen. I don't think it's that great. So I would say three. Helen. Yeah, I think, I think Spike Lee films are warranted a trip to the cinema. And I think had it a, come out during non-covid times i would have gone to the cinema to see it and i mean that said that's all we've got um uh, we've already talked about the soundtrack i imagine the soundtrack would have been really good in a cinema and then the kind of out and out violence i i wonder if you know he's kind of gone for that kind of rambo over the top commando type violence in that so he's kind of like taking that from the those kind of films and bringing it in that's kind of the direction it's gone i don't know i haven't asked him personally please spike did you take influence from there so i'm gonna go i don't know why i'm taking so long to decide i'm gonna do three and a half i think i would have got more enjoyment seeing it on the big screen and it being kind of like quite loud and and a bit more in your face whereas on my tv i don't know it like you said it, I don't think he made it with the intention we'd all be sitting at home watching it during a pandemic. I, I'm going to go for three. I think it would have been great to see Cine Cinema over yes. watching it for the first time at home. But this, I think that's perhaps lays more into my next score, which would be the engagement score. So we're going to lead out with you, Akin. Once again, it's a story of two halves. The first half, it's more like I'm engaged. I really want to know where, where this is going. They've got such a brotherly love amongst themselves. It's like, I really want to know what's happening here. Mm. There, there are certain nuances whereby in the eyes of Paul, anybody he sees as Vietnamese, he can't trust them because as far as he's concerned, they're a gook. And he brings about the whole mentality of Trump supporters. Well, you know, the whole outsiders or what have you. 
So you've got that engagement where it's like, okay, where this is going, where, where this kind of bond that they have. The second, so that's my engagement, which would be five out of five, no doubt about it. The action sequence though, uh, I'm going to give it two in terms of engagement. So overall, I'd say 3.5. That maths works out. <laughs> Does it? I'm surprised. <laughs> the law of averages by Akin. <laughs> uh, Shanti? Uh, for me, I would say that I was pretty engaged by most of it. Uh, I agree with all of you on the fight sequences. I generally... I'm not a huge fan of fight sequences. So unlike Akin, who would rewind and watch them again and again, if there's something to do with, especially if it's Kung Fu, actually, that that kind of... Uh, I'm sorry. It's just when she says she doesn't engage, mention Jason Statham <laughs> to her. She just goes nuts. She has a crush on Jason Statham. So you were saying, continue. Statham is, you know, let's not, let's not bring him into this. Statham, of course, I will watch everything, including Death Race, and watch everything that he does. That's different. I'm talking about this film, <laughs> Back to the Five Bloods. And yeah, so for me, engagement-wise, I think I should have been more engaged than I actually was. So I kind of feel like I would give it about three and a half. I think that the length and the fact that the the final edit of the film, I still feel was a little bit too long. And that, I think stop me from maybe enjoying it the way I would have. But saying all that, I think if I'd seen this at the cinema, my experience would have been very different and I probably would have given it four or five because, you know, when you're when you're there, it's just you and that big screen and the sound coming at you from everywhere. So the, the sound design on this and, and the music, we could only enjoy to a certain extent from our living room, honestly. So what's the score, sorry? Uh, three. Helen. Yeah, I kind of agree with quite a lot of what Ashanti's just said there. Um, I yeah, I kind of was, was with it for the main bits, and then kind of got a little bit lost in the, in the middle. And then when they started blowing people up and basically just like shooting the shit out of stuff, I was like, okay, well that's what that's one way to go. Um, I'm going to go three point seven. Ooh, yeah, I'm going to go three. Again, we we, we talked in a, a few of us. It's a game. It's a game two. It's a film of two halves. Um, and it's, I think it's easy to go dial out once uh, once the fighting starts. So uh, so 3.7 for Helen, I think three for myself. And that gives us an overall score of 3.56250, which I thought was going to be a bit higher than that. But it, I mean, it starts off strong with the recommendability. Yes. Tailed off towards engagement, which is which is fine. This is how it works. Um, we have one tweet review. And everyone who's listening, do follow us on Twitter because we always put a shout out on our Twitter feed uh, ahead of a recording and say things like, we're watching The Five Bloods with Ashanti Omkar and Akin Warren. Uh, have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts. And the score out of five stars from an on-air shout out on Flixwatcher. Uh, so we had one response. Have you guys got, have you got Twitter up? We've got Kyle A. Goth. Goth? Goth A? Goth, I guess. Yes. I don't know. That might be, <laughs> that might be. So um, Kyle and his almighty goat man from Plymouth says, should have been a best picture contender, a brutally honest and multi-layered story about brotherhood in the times of emotional strain. Love this movie. My rating goes up with every rewatch. So his rewatch level is very high and has given a, an overall score of 4.5 out of 5. And my reply was that Lovely. Delroy Lindo was robbed. And then he replied saying he was happy. <laughs> this was actually quite witty what he wrote. I'm happy it got the score nod, 
but I can't believe it didn't, at the very least, score Delroy a nod as well. So I really like the way he wrote that. So Ashanti, Akin, can you sign up by letting us everyone know where we can find you online? Uh, and say goodbye to the listeners. Sure. Well, I am Ashanti Omkar, A-S-H-A-N-T-I-O-M-K-A-R, everywhere. So you just have to Google that and you'll find me. I'm on Linktree, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, the works. And you get different parts of me on different platforms, basically. Lots of food on Instagram, by the way. And yourself, sir? Uh, for me, you can find me on Instagram as The Swinging Palm Trees Podcast. And also, if you're into bass and comics, you can find me on bass and comics on Instagram. And on Twitter, you are? And on Twitter, oh yeah, I completely forgot. On Twitter, I am ak- at Akin Awaran. That's A-K-I-N-A-W-O-R-A-N. Awaran is Yoruba word for to see and record things. Oh, beautiful. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for coming on. Bye. 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 enjoyed this episode of flix watcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at flix pod on twitter and we're at flix on instagram thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty mighty tunes and ben from rockwood audio for his awesome editing skills if you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this get in touch with ben and that's rockwood r-o-k-k wood audio tell them flicks what she sent you you just heard a stripped media production